0: another week we're joining you here on heartland college sports weekly part of heartlandcollegesports.com where it seems like the news continues to dominate uh, the sports side of things across our country and you know we don't do politics here on this show i do that actually in kansas city every morning uh, from 6 to 10 a.m this is obviously big 12 driven it is uh, sports driven And before we get it rolling, guys, please take a moment out, either now or right when the show ends. Leave us a rating, review, subscribe to the podcast. It helps us tremendously uh, build this thing from the ground, grassroots, because of you doing the little things like that. So I appreciate that from all of you. Thank you for doing it. Uh, And I'll send you a free Heartland College Sports koozie in the mail if you send me a screenshot of your rating and review to Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O, at heartlandcollegesports.com, and we'll get the koozie in the mail for you guys. Thanks so much. But all I'll say is obviously what happened last week to George Floyd, who was killed up in Minneapolis, is disgusting, despicable, should never happen again. At the same time, the rioting, the looting that is happening in parts of this country is despicable and disgusting as well. Um, And those things, you don't need to pick a side there. That's all I'm going to say. You don't need to pick a side on that one. Uh, that's something that every American should be on the same page about at least every reasonable American. A lot of big 12 coaches, every big 12 coach for that matter, uh, reacted over the past week to what happened up in Minneapolis. We have a post on that. You can read on heartlandcollegesports.com. If you want to see what any big 12 coach had to say about last week's tragedy, um, you can get further into that there on heartlandcollegesports.com. So I'm not going to sit here and not address the elephant in the room that the entire nation has been talking about here over the past uh, week or two. But obviously, it's, it's not really what we do. So I'm not going to go down uh, that lane right now because you come here to get away from that. Um, not to get away from it. You're not trying to avoid it. But to take a breather from it is probably the better way to put it. So let's talk about some Big 12 news because there's still some of that going on. Even though, you know, sports is in the dump. And I think college football is coming back. I can't say it with certainty, but we believe it is coming back. Uh, Some news came out here in the last week. Big 12 schools averaged $37.7 million in distributions down slightly from 2018-2019. Now, that makes sense, obviously, because the COVID crisis absolutely decimated uh, athletic departments because there was no conference tournament or at least, you know, not any semblance of a conference tournament. The Big 12 played one day. And then no March Madness. So prior to COVID, the Big 12 was getting set for a record-setting year. But no March Madness meant a reduction in revenues for the Big 12 of 14 million dollars. And no Big 12 tournament meant 18 million dollars out the window. That's 30 million bucks, 30-plus million dollars, 32, really. Uh, in monies the Big 12 did not collect, they could have distributed to the schools, another, you know two, three, three and a half million dollars each that they did not get. Uh, So instead of cracking that $40 million per team threshold, instead, uh, what they got was still a nice payday, $37.7 million per university. But when you're planning on 40, every dollar counts, right? So this is something where you're continuing to see the Power Fives pull away. Yes, there have been furloughs across basically every athletic department in the country. But the Power Fives are weathering this a lot better than, say, the Group of Fives or the FCSs or the D2s and the D3s. And the difference and the gap between the haves and the have-nots are only going to grow coming out of this. And I hate to say it, but, you know, that's going to be true economically. It's going to be true in college athletics. You know, it's one side of the same coin. Oklahoma is going to be fine. Texas is going to be A-OK. okay Heck, even Iowa State, and, and they had coaches taking a pay cut very early on in this whole deal. They'll be okay. You know, the Savannah States of the world, uh, not quite as sure about them, especially if they can't play those early season games. Now, I feel more and more confident by the day, by the way, that we are going to have a college football season that will start on time and will look basically like a full college football season, but still... I understand um, why right now there's a lot of concerns around what's going to be happening here in the college sports world and what that means moving forward. Now, speaking of all this, uh, we have some Big 12 players who have tested positive for COVID-19. want to tell you about that. Uh, three Oklahoma State players have tested positive for COVID-19, and that includes um, Ogbo. I'm not even going to try to pronounce his last name. But Ogbo has tested positive. Now, all three players for Oklahoma State are asymptomatic. That basically means that they've shown no symptoms. So there's nothing there that, you know, you got to be necessarily worried about. But here's the thing. This is what we're learning. And as somebody that does work in uh, the news side of what we do, the more testing we're doing, the more asymptomatic uh, people we are finding. And we also know that younger people are far less likely uh, to suffer any type of, you know, hospitalizations, God forbid, deaths. We've given you the stats, right? You're more likely as a person under the age of 24 to get struck and killed by lightning than you are to die from the coronavirus. I mean, that's that's a fact. It doesn't mean you don't take it seriously. It doesn't mean it's not a real thing, but it does put it into some perspective. So I think you're going to see a lot of this. As guys get back on campus – Uh, They'll test positive for antibodies. Uh, They'll be asymptomatic. Um, You should quarantine them because as people, you know, come back on campus and, you know, the coaches who are a bit older get back to campus and might be overweight or have a pre-existing condition, you got to do that, right? I am not denying that for a second. But with all that being said, um, you know, we're starting to learn that I think you're going to see a slew of these players come back and either test positive or – test positive for the antibodies, whatever it might be, uh, and it will become more prevalent from the standpoint of positive tests. And that's something that should not be overlooked here as we move forward. Uh, At Iowa State, they've announced that a part-time student worker in the athletic department has tested positive for COVID-19, and the protocols for dealing with a positive test are currently underway. And same thing there. I, I don't think you're going to prevent, and we talked about this last week, with uh, West Virginia President Gordon G basically saying, "We have to learn how to live with this thing, right? If we're going to try to put everybody in a bubble, it's it's not going to happen. It's not going to work. We've got to figure out how to operate our facilities with this. At Iowa State, they're saying any staff or student athlete with a positive test result will be restricted from the department facilities for three to six weeks. Anyone in close contact with an infected individual in the forty eight hours. Leading up to their symptoms, will be isolated for one week and undergo further testing. So, if I'm a head football coach or an AD, what am I doing today, early June? The minute these guys get back on campus, or as they're, you know, you're starting to get them back towards campus, get them tested, uh, because that way, if they do test positive, you got that three to six week window, uh, well before the season starts, to make sure that they are restricted from the department facilities, uh, quarantined if need be. That's the way you want to be handling it. Now, back at Oklahoma State, they are now instead going to tell incoming freshmen to not report this week, and they're going to be working them in in waves uh, and expect a lot of that to be happening here across college football in the days and weeks ahead. But I'll continue to reiterate, getting these kids back on campus, I believe, is going to end up, Uh, being far more healthy for them in the long term because the coaches the staff can control you know who they're around what they're touching you know cleaning their own equipment instead of having a situation where these guys are trying to work out at their local planet fitness Uh, you you know that doesn't work out well for anybody i'm pete mundo on heartland college sports weekly part of heartlandcollegesports.com your independent big 12 digital media outlet Coming up, let's talk about this and also Chuba Hubbard's Heisman Chances with Derek Duke. You read him all the time on heartlandcollegesports.com. And he's coming up next on Heartland College Sports Weekly. We now say hello to Derek Duke on Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com. I'm Pete Mundo, and thanks for joining us. So, Derek, you know, I don't know how you feel, man, but I, every week, I feel better and better about college football. At least the schedule um, going on as planned. I have no idea what the fan situation is going to be. None of us do. But I feel more and more confident every week. What about you?
1: Oh, of course. You know, two months ago or even a, a month ago, I yeah. don't think we saw this kind of coming. It was still very bleak. But now the clouds are starting to kind of clear out. And we're actually starting to see some of the some of that sunshine, some of the light at the end of the tunnel here. But Like you just mentioned, you know, I think we're going to have football. And the question, the big question is, and we're still kind of discovering new facts, almost seems like every day is how many fans are going to be in attendance. You know, college football is great, but what really does make the games, the fans in the stands, the roar of the crowd, you know, the atmosphere uh, on the field. So that's the great part about college football, not to mention the traditions outside of it as well. But, you know, either way, I think we would still take football over no football at this point.
0: No doubt about it. Now you're starting to see something interesting here, Derek. Uh, Players are going back to campus. We saw three Oklahoma State players test positive. Iowa State had a part-time student worker in the athletic department test positive. I think we're going to see more of this. Uh, These, at least on the Oklahoma State side, they were all asymptomatic, which you see a lot in young people. So the question is, you know, how does this get handled by these colleges? What do they do and assuming they can, you know, have some success doing that and understanding what their plan needs to be, I think the season is is, is going to happen here.
1: Yeah, and like you mentioned, each school and state's going to take different precautions mm-hmm. regarding to, you know, obviously they're going to follow their local guidelines wherever they may be. But like you said, they're going to have to continue testing. This is probably going to have to be, I would imagine, a daily thing because you don't want guys mixing mixing in with guys who are showing symptoms. you got to keep those guys away, not to mention the whole, you know, 14-day quarantine thing. So there's a lot of factors that are continuing. It's going to be changing every day for these teams. You know, you can't just bring everybody back at once and expect everything to be okay. So things are going to change throughout the course of, as days go on and times go on. You know, obviously not only that, but, you know, keeping everything clean. You're talking about these workouts and everything. So we'd have to be keeping the weight room clean, you know, keeping the, whatever you're doing on the track, indoor stuff, helmets, shoulder pads, whatever you're going to do, clothes, everything's going to have to be cleaned in a totally different way. So I think you're going to start to see these schools take extra precautions to try to make make sure everybody's safe. Because the number one important thing that is, is going to be safety before we get back to football. we want to make sure everybody's safe when that part gets taken care of, then it makes the football side much easier.
0: Yeah, I'm totally with you there, Derek. You know, let's talk about some things going on on the field. Uh, you wrote a really good piece last week about uh, Chuba Hubbard and how he can win the Heisman Trophy, but it's also going to be very difficult. Where are you right now on Chuba's chances of holding up that trophy come December?
1: I would say I'm probably about 20%. We talk about – I've talked about my piece just the fact that he's a running back already puts him behind a a lot more than he would be a quarterback right now really if you think about it it's a glorified quarterbacks award i talked about there're only 3 running backs since the year of 2000 that we've had a running back you know win the trophy and although i think that chuba could have a a year better than like mark ingram had in 2009 or maybe maybe not quite as derrick henry was in 2015 but if you look at 09 mark ingram was kind of the outlier there there wasn't really that outstanding player from the quarterback position that was like oh yeah he's the guy yeah i think that's kind of what it's going to take like for chuba as well you can't have one big name quarterback you can't have a justin fields or a trevor lawrence having this outstanding incredible year you have to have them kind of hold back, and you have to have Chuba rise to the top, and that's what I'm saying. Somewhere between 2,200 and 2,500 yards has got to be the mark for Chuba. And not to mention, we talk about you know being on air week in and week out for Oklahoma State. You've got to be in those primetime games on Saturday nights where the entire country's watching you, and then from that, Chuba's got to show out on those big stages. So Oklahoma State, it's going to be interesting because Oklahoma State's going to have to be in the mix for a Big 12 title for even Chuba to have a shot to show what he can do in prime time,
0: I I could not agree more, Derek. And I think something else you have to look at here, uh, realistically, to kind of what you're pointing out is um, Oklahoma State is is not going to be on that big stage. I mean, maybe Bedlam, and then maybe the Texas game uh, will get him a lot of national attention. But you know, one thing that I think could hurt him as well, and and you know this. Mike Gundy does not like playing those big time non-conference games that oftentimes uh, get guys out of the gates. I mean, they have Oregon State as their big non-conference game and then Tulsa and Western Illinois. That doesn't usually do it. And for a lot of guys, you know, you had that major power five showdown like OU Ohio State a couple of years back. That can help propel a guy to the top early in the season.
1: No, no, no doubt about it. You know, those those key marquee non-conference matchups are huge in terms of perception, not only with, with Heisman voters, but you're, talk, you're talking about the, the playoff committee looks at those games, too, and that's a huge deciding factor because when we get in late November, early December, these are things that, that that can move a team up or move a team down is who you play in the non-conference. So it all plays a, a huge factor, and obviously the Heisman, like you just mentioned, if you're not going to schedule, if you're a Heisman contender, a preseason Heisman contender – and you have a non-schedule like that, you have to absolutely just fill up that stat sheet uh, in terms of yards, touchdowns, whatever it may be for you to continue to be on that pace. You know, you can't have a bad game against a non-conference like Oregon State or Tulsa or Western Illinois. Mm-hmm. Chuba, Chuba Hubbard's probably going to have to at least rush for at least $1. fifty in each one of those games for me uh, for him to continue to get that that love from the Heisman polls. But we'll see about it. You know, obviously he's talented enough to do it. We've seen him do it before, which is good, you know. But like I mentioned, you know how many back-to-back, you know, two thousand yard rushers have we seen over the years? There's only two from Troy Davis from Iowa State, and then Jonathan Taylor at Wisconsin just finished it up. So it's going to be interesting to see if he can follow up a year like he had last season.
0: What What do you think, Derek? If we're sitting here at the end of the year, I mean, do you think that uh, Chuba Hubbard is going to be uh, even at the uh, in New York City, or is it just too much of a quarterback-dominated? Uh, award where you know you have to have that two thousand yard season to even be in the conversation
1: right now i would say he's on the outside looking in fighting for mm. maybe that three spot right now I, I don't see how you couldn't put justin fields and trevor lawrence as one and two right now in the heisman voting you know those are pretty much guys that are going to be automatically there in terms of the heisman ceremony so i'd have a hard time seeing them get there now does that mean he can't win it? No, but it's it's a really it's really difficult when you're not there to win it obviously, but he could definitely be in that third spot. I wouldn't be surprised if he was, but at the same time, I do, I have a hard time kind of seeing it right now unfold. Yeah. Unless unless you know like I said, if we don't see these big time quarterbacks fill up the stat sheet or you know, they're not winning games then Chuba maybe has a chance to sneak in there. But right now, I'd say he's on the outside looking in in terms of New York City.
0: Derek Duke, heartlandcollegesports.com. You read them all the time. Uh, Derek, I want to ask you about the four second-year head coaches. Les Miles at KU, Chris Kleiman at K-State. Uh, you've got Matt Wells at Texas Tech, and, of course, Neil Brown at West Virginia. Which one of these guys are you most intrigued by heading in the year two?
1: I would have to probably go with Neil Brown, just the terms of the whole Austin Kendall situation, the transfer quarterback, then, you know, bringing in Jared Daigie to start the second half of the year. And I felt like he kind of gave them a little bit of life in the starting lineup. Now, necessarily, he didn't, like I said, he didn't fill up the stat sheet, you know, as probably as you want to see. He didn't complete those big time throws. He Honestly, he wasn't much better statistically than Austin Kendall was, but it felt like he just kind of gave that team new life. And from a team that really, really struggled at times offensively last year, I mean very, very badly, we saw how bad they were, and they got blown out by Missouri last year on the road. That was just an embarrassing loss, not only for them, for the conference as well. But right now I think they're a team that is probably knocking on the door of getting to a bowl game, and I think that's a huge step in the right direction for Neil Brown in year two. So I think he could probably get there this year. So I'm thinking anywhere from six to seven wins from the Mountaineers. I'd probably lean with six right now. But I think they're a team that could take that next step in the right direction.
0: You know who I keep thinking about, Derek? I keep thinking about Iowa State, where last year I thought they'd play for a Big 12 title, and some people remind me of that every week. I was way off base there. Um, I, you know, I just think it's tougher to go from four to seven or eight wins than it is uh, – or it's, it's tougher to go from seven to ten wins than four to seven wins. Um, and I just look at Matt Campbell and this team and this year with Brock Purdy, who could be a first-round pick in next year's NFL draft, and say – if not now, uh, when, right? When, when are they actually going to have a chance to push that 10-win mark? Uh, how do you see that playing out for them right now?
1: Right now, I'd say I don't see them winning 10 games right now. I think when we're talking about favorites in the Big 12, and I think you mentioned it last week, there is a clear cut of teams. And for me, I would even prefer those teams to three teams. For me, it's the Oklahoma Sooners, it's the Texas Longhorns, and it's Oklahoma State Cowboys. Those are my top three teams right now. And then wherever kind of everybody else will fall, I'd probably put Iowa State somewhere around the four spot. Obviously, having Brock Purdy is huge. I think he's going to have another big year. And we'll see if he stays. If he stays, they will be great for for going into 2021. But for right now, I think a lot of the offense is put on Brock, and I think some of that pressure kind of got to him a little bit at times last season with his inconsistent play. But I still think he's a very, very good quarterback, probably the second-best quarterback in the Big 12 right now, or maybe even first, depending on who you ask. But you mentioned it. Getting to that from that 7-win mark to that 10-win mark or the 8-win mark to the 10-win mark, you're jumping into a whole nother level. That that is what I would call an elite level of college football. When you're winning 10 games in a season, that's where I would put the elite tab on you. Uh, anywhere from from six to seven wins is probably an average season for you know six and six, seven and five type of year. But that's hard. I mean, that's what a lot of programs are pushing for nowadays is to get to that 10 win mark. Unfortunately, every team can't do it, but the teams that are able to do it consistently are those teams we're talking about for the playoff year in and year out.
0: Derek, back to the Heisman conversation. Uh, You mentioned, and we talked about Chuba Hubbard, Sam Ellinger seems like the second guy that may have a shot at, uh, at that award. Do you think a Big 12 player will be a Heisman finalist this year?
1: I'm going to say no. If it was, I would still be leaning with Shuba Hubbard. Uh, You mentioned Sam Ellinger. Sam Ellinger is going to be that hot topic. Anytime we have a Texas quarterback, I felt like we've been talking about Sam for the last three years being Mm -hmm. high and content, even though it was really only last year's where he was kind of getting that push. But, no, I, I, I still don't see a Big 12 player emerging right now. Uh, who knows? Maybe a guy like Spencer Rattler from Oklahoma, you know, because Lincoln Riley, that you're a quarterback in that offense, always going to put up huge numbers. Maybe he comes out of nowhere, but he's a very, very talented player in his own right. But right now I'd probably say no. Uh, if I had a top two to say my Heisman vote for the Big 12, it would probably be Chuba at one and then Sam Ellinger at two right now.
0: Derek Duke, HeartlandCollegeSports.com. Derek, great to have you on, man. I appreciate the time. Oh, no problem. Thanks for having me on Pete. Some final thoughts as we wrap up the show coming up next on Heartland college sports weekly. Final few minutes here on Heartland college sports weekly part of heartlandcollegesports.com. I'm Pete Mundo. Thanks for being here and joining us. So uh, Lincoln Riley, uh, made some comments here this week uh, talking about how he has some concerns that certain coaches are going to push their players here as, you know, we kind of return to campus and players and coaches get back on campus following uh, the COVID-19 pandemic. Now, what Riley had to say here uh, was basically, hey, we got to be careful with this. We're not the NFL. That was a direct quote from Lincoln Riley about this issue. He said, we've got to be patient. We've got one shot at this. We're not the NFL. There are some huge differences in us being able to put on a successful season versus a professional league. If we do it right, if we're patient enough on key areas, like when we bring players back on campus, I do believe if you don't get ahead of ourselves, we'll have a season. Um, I mean, that that's all true. There's no doubt about it. I mean, that's all true. We all want to make sure there's a full college football season. I feel better about it now than I did a week ago. I felt better about it a week ago than I did the week before that. So uh, that's that's all true. I mean, there's nothing that Riley said there that is necessarily wrong. But this is a guy who, don't forget, like in mid-May, he's the one who said bringing players back on June 1st was one of the most ridiculous things I've ever heard. Now, I'm just wondering... What's the difference right now between where we are today in early June and where we might be a few weeks from now? I mean, I'm up here in Kansas City, and uh, the hospitalizations for COVID are half of what they were in early May. And we know that the people getting the most impacted by this are older folks, pre-existing conditions. I'm more concerned about a coach on the staff who's diabetic than I am, you know, an 18-year-old stud who's one of the best athletes in America you know, former five-star recruit. I'm sorry. I mean, that's just very basic to me, and that's that's based on statistical data, right? That That's what that is based on. So I, I'm all for being careful, and I'm all for safety first, right? And I don't think anyone's trying to be totally reckless here that I've seen, uh, but I'm also trying to live in a reality here, which is, all right, look at the odds. What are the odds? What does it mean? I'd rather have guys on campus. Uh, knowing where they're at, knowing I can clean the machines. I think that that is the most important thing. Now, it concerns me a little bit, though, when I hear things like this from OU's head athletic trainer, Scott Anderson, who said, quote, until we have a treatment, until we have a vaccine, it's uncertain in terms of more people we get together. The longer they're together, the closer they're together, that elevates risk. The reality is it doesn't serve us any. uh, It doesn't serve any of us to have some outbreaks. Well, I, you know, no one wants to have an outbreak, right? And that's why you got to have uh, good testing capacity, which we have improved drastically in this country over the past month. I mean, we've doubled, in some cases, tripled it from where we were just a few weeks ago. So that's all, all positive. Uh, I'm, I'm, you know, concerned, though, that if we're going to say until we have a treatment or a vaccine, it's all uncertain, that, you know, that may never happen. We don't know. Now, we should be very careful, very careful, very cautious. Don't deny that for a second. But, you know, I it concerns me when I hear that from someone like an OU head athletic trainer saying, until there's a vaccine, it's all uncertain or a treatment. I, we hope it's close. There are reports that it's close. And by close, I mean the end of the year. But no one knows. No one has any idea if it's six months away, a year away, five years away. So let's just follow the data. Follow the stats and take it, you know, a day, a week at a time, all right? And and I have good vibes. I got good vibes here coming from the Heartland College Sports Studios, all right? Athlon Sports. Let's spend a couple minutes here on Athlon Sports. They are my favorite preseason magazine. I give those guys a lot of props. They do great work. I mean, Phil Steele's awesome, but in terms of just my preference, I love Athlon. And Athlon did its top 20 uh, college football teams who are poised to improve on their win totals from 2020. Top 20 teams on the rise for 2020. And there was one Big 12 team on that list, and it was Oklahoma State. Athlon writes here about Oklahoma State. Mike Gundy raised the bar in Stillwater with six seasons of double-digit victories from 2010 to 2017. The Cowboys have just 15 wins over the past two years, but the program appears poised for a rebound in 2020. High-powered offenses are annually a strength for Oklahoma State, and new play caller Casey Dunn is stepping into one of the best situations for any first-year coordinator. Running back Chuba Hubbard surprisingly passed in the NFL after leading the nation with 2,094 rushing yards, and receiver Tylen Wallace Will return to full strength after missing the final five games due to knee injury. Quarterback Spencer Sanders had a promising debut, uh, derailed by a thumb injury late in the year, but still finished with 2,000 yards, 16 touchdown passes. Additionally, this talented trio will have help from an offensive line that returns three starters and adds impact transfer Josh Sills from West Virginia. The offense isn't the only reason for optimism after giving up 32 and a half points a game in 2018. Cowboys. Allowed 26.8 last season with only one starter departing. Oklahoma State's defense should take another step forward on the stat sheet. Oklahoma is the clear frontrunner to win the Big 12, but it wouldn't be a surprise to see Gundy's team get two opportunities against their in-state rival in 2020. End quote. The implication there being Oklahoma State would be playing in the Big 12 title game. And I think more people are starting to realize that this Cowboys team should not be overlooked. The sexy national talk is going to be OU for obvious reasons. Then it's going to be, oh, well, we want Texas to be good, and, oh, they have a senior quarterback in Sam Ellinger who might be a dark horse Heisman guy, so, oh, Texas. OU, Texas. Texas OU. We try it every year, and, you know, it's worked out once in the past 10 years. That was two years ago in the Big 12 title game. And that's not a knock on Texas. I want Texas to be good. I've said that many times over. I want the Longhorns to be good. It's good for the Big 12. But... And I haven't put out my preseason rankings yet. Uh, You know, I'm not going to do that. We won't do that as a staff until probably early August. But I'll tell you right now, uh, for me, it's OU, it's Oklahoma State. And then I'm debating Iowa State, Texas. And I'm still trying to figure out what that's going to look like. So we'll see. But you're seeing a lot lot of national love. People really catching on to what um, Oklahoma State might be able to do. Uh, this fall i'm pete mundo heartland college sports weekly is the show heartlandcollegesports.com is the site your independent big 12 digital media outlet enjoy the rest of your week and uh, stay safe guys and leave us that rating review subscribe it helps us out tremendously um if you do that send me a screenshot of your rating and review to pete mundo m-u-n-d-o at heartlandcollegesports.com and we will get a heartland college sports koozie in the mail for you guys thanks so much have a great week